I miss Sears. I'll explain in a few minutes. But first, we're talking about occupational licensing. And it takes away choice. You get to choose. You learn. Uh, you know, you suffer the consequences if you're wrong. Uh, and, uh, you know, you celebrate your victories if you're right. But you get to choose. The government shouldn't have the power to take away that choice. They shouldn't be able to destroy those livelihoods. Uh, this all comes from a story uh, in the uh, Columbia Spittoon about occupational licensing for daycare. I don't think the government should be involved in it. There's, there is no reason for the government to offer a license for anything. You can get an endorsement from a private organization, and I would trust that more than the government. I would trust that more than the government because it, 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 their, their livelihood depends on the accuracy of their assessment. If the government licenses uh, a daycare center and they abuse the children, does the government bureaucracy go out of business? Do they lose customers? <laughs> no. The chances are they get more money. Hey, well, we couldn't inspect as often as we'd like to. We want more money. Then we'll be good. In the private marketplace, that wouldn't happen. You didn't do a good job. You, you let this one slip through the cracks. We're going to find another agency or create competition. Government shouldn't license occupations. Uh, 874-9390, toll-free 800-529-5572 or GaryNolan.com. Uh, let me get uh, Todd on the line. Todd, welcome. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys this morning? Doing well, thank you. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I heard you talking about licensing, and this is actually something that's very near and dear to my heart. Uh, and and it, is, it doesn't really matter what occupation it is, but I was... Uh, I used to be a promoter of professional wrestling in the state, and it is heavily regulated, heavily licensed by the state, inspected, I mean, through and through. They won't even let you advertise a wrestling show unless you pay for a $150 permit. Why? What's uh, the well, point? They, say it's, they say, of course, you know, if you ask a bureaucracy why they should exist, they'll come up with a million and one reasons why they want to exist. But uh, they say it's to protect the public and protect the state from, from liability of any kind, which I don't understand how the state would be liable for anything. But uh, uh, they talked about fraud and stuff, which fraud, as you and I both know, is already illegal. So, right. I, you know, I understand fraud being a problem, but let the law let law enforcement handle that if it's actually happening. Yes. Absolutely right. There is no reason to license that occupation. All it does right. is drive up costs. In fact, I would argue that if the state is doing the licensing, that they're increasing their liability, not decreasing it. Well, I would think. But the thing of it is, in order to be a professional, uh, licensed professional wrestler in this state, all you have to do is get your uh, HIV and hepatitis blood work done every six months go every couple of years for a doctor's physical and you're good to go. You can get in the ring and wrestle anywhere you want. It doesn't matter what you know. But as a promoter? As a promoter, it's $400 every two years. You have to have a $25,000 uh, surety bond every year that's renewed, which costs roughly around 500 bucks, depending on where you get it. And you have to pay $150 before you can advertise for any show, per show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brian, reason, don't you feel you, safer now? No, oh, I do, yes. Yeah. This kind of reminds me of a story that uh, our friend Mike Ferguson told uh, several, several years ago. He was asked 
to be the ring PA guy to step on stage of some MMA or something. And he got there at the arena, and they said, no, you can't. You don't have a license to, to get on stage. And Mike, the, Mike said, are you kidding me? He said, no. Therefore, they go by s- these strict rules. You can't get on stage because you have to have a license. There's even more because you have to pay 5% off the top of your gate in, in athletic tax to them. And um, they, will, uh, they will send an inspector to every show to collect this off the top of everything you make. And the reason they charge 150 it used to be $25 a permit, but it's $150 now because shows were not drawing enough people to uh, make enough tax money to justify sending the inspector. It's absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. You know, Republican legislators listen to us all the time. Why don't they get rid of this nonsense? Uh, they well, have the I'm power. Ex- I'm working with my state representative right now. I finally have a state representative that's getting ready and willing to do something, and we're going to actually start taking bites out of Rismo 317 is what it is. Well, I wish you the best of luck, and I'm behind you all the way, Todd. Best of luck. Thank you. Take Thank care. You. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, let's see. Uh, Gary, they, they won't even let 68 whiskeys combat field uh, medics become EMTs because of licensing and testing requirements by the government. Yet the government is the military. Uh, Let's see, a person through extensive training, puts them through extensive training, the same training they'd get uh, through schooling. So they have to go back to school all over again to even qualify. And I'd rather have a combat field medic provide emergency treatment any day. Well, if anybody would know how to do it, I would think it would be them. Uh, Dwayne says, I don't understand how Congress can force workers or labor unions to work and not go on strike. Isn't that between the company and the employees? I'll get into that in just a minute because of the railroad strike. And I'll tell you where it all comes from. Uh, But in the meantime, on licensing, Bob is on the line from Paris. Bob, how are you? I'm fine. How are you guys? Doing well, thank you. Uh, my question is, Gary, and everybody, they hate this kind of stuff. They hate these regulations. How do you stop it? How, how, do, how, do, how do I, as an individual taxpayer, how can, how can we stop it? Because it's, it's the politicians that are allowing it. To ha- how do we stop it? Well, you have to be principled to elect principled politicians. And most people aren't. So we get, as a whole, we get what we what we asked for. Yes, absolutely. If the Republicans so won't do it, it won't get done at all. And you know the Democrats aren't going to do it. So actually, we can't stop it because you're not going to get this many people to change the way they do things unless you get enough people educated. If if you can if you can wake up enough people. And get them to be principled on the on the people they elect. Uh, you know, what you once you do that, then you then you've got clear sailing. You're going to get principled politicians. They're going to get rid of this nonsense. But trying to get enough people to do that, it's like, oh boy. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I try to do every day is yes, inform I, people I, I, and get them to the point where they realize. That the principal politicians uh, are the ones you've got to elect. Bob, thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. You can't just take the lesser of two evils. 
All right, so I got this message from Dwayne. He said, I don't understand. How can Congress force workers or labor unions to work and not go on strike? Isn't that between uh, the company and the employees? So I'm going to address this and tell you where all this comes from. And I'll do that next. It's the Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 19 minutes after 10 o'clock. Glad to have you with us. Uh, Dwayne asked, he said, he, I don't understand. How can Congress force workers or labor unions to work and not go on strike? Uh, isn't that between the company and the employees? Well, there is a case, we've mentioned this before. It was Willard v. Fillmore. And it was... Uh, a Supreme Court case that happened during the Roosevelt administration. And it deals with the Interstate Commerce Clause. If you're not familiar, I'll just briefly uh, summarize. Uh, The Interstate Commerce Clause was designed to keep, they say, uh, the the clause commerce regular between the several states. So you can't, for instance, put an import tax on a product made in Ohio when you want to sell it in Missouri. Uh, Missouri can't do that. Uh, It's just to keep commerce regular. Now, Willard V. Fillmore was a a, a farmer in Ohio who was growing wheat. The Roosevelt administration, while they were screwing up the economy royally, tried to put limits on how much wheat uh, could be in the market. They were trying to control agricultural prices. And this guy was growing wheat on his farm for use on his farm. He wasn't selling it. It wasn't going out on the marketplace. So he argued it can't affect interstate commerce. Well, the Supreme Court, having been threatened uh, with loading the bench, sound familiar, uh, by Roosevelt, had the vote in time that saved nine, and these Supreme Court justices had to try to find a way to justify the administration cracking down on this guy selling wheat. And they said, well, you know what? If you're growing wheat on your own farm for your own use, you're not buying wheat from the interstate. You're not buying wheat from somebody else. Ergo, in the aggregate, you are affecting interstate commerce and they ended up punishing this guy for growing wheat on his own farm now that was a complete distortion of the interstate commerce clause but that gave them the authority to regulate everything including labor uh, and that's how you have uh, you know all these different uh, uh, labor related laws in Congress it all goes back to this uh, Wickard v. Fillmore uh, 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 case. And so they gave themselves the power. And their argument is, you know, if you go on strike, it affects commerce. If And, and that's how unions get their strength. That's, that's how they end up being able to tell an employer, you will deal with us. You know, 51% of your, of your uh, employees want a union, so you will deal with the union. That's all going back to that one stinking case, which which somehow ought to be challenged again. Because <clears throat> once that happens, uh, perhaps the country starts 
you know, protecting your freedom. So now because it affects commerce, Congress has the right to write laws and to demand that they not go on strike. Biden, as I said yesterday, has demonstrated that he has back trouble. He has this great big yellow streak running down his back. He was afraid to take the reins and tell the unions, don't go on strike. And, and, and now it's a real mixed bag. You, you've got some Democrats and Republicans who are saying maybe we shouldn't interfere because these union workers won't get what they want or what we think they should have. Uh, and we're, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders is, is going to vote to let them go on strike. Uh, perhaps, uh, what's the senator from Florida uh, that ran for president? I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Cuban heritage. Uh, Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio is in the same camp. Chances are they will interfere and they will stop the strike uh, because neither party wants to be responsible for this. But it is through that case that they have that authority. And I told you uh, Monday, the, the problem with this rail strike is the unions have too much power. Unions should be based purely on voluntary, uh, on a voluntary basis. I'm an employer, and I want, you know what, and, and there could be a benefit, a, a case can be made for this. Um, I either have to deal with every one of my employees, decide who's doing right and who's doing wrong, who's better and who's worse, and who gets a pay raise and who doesn't. i just rather deal with the union. One group, get it over with. Other employers might not want that should be voluntary. You have no right to tell an employer who to deal with. But that's where they get the uh, that's where they get the authority. And uh, it it ought to be challenged. It really should. It it needs to go away. 874-9390 toll-free 800-529-5572. When I was a kid, we used to go to Sears. It was, at one time, the largest retailer in the world. Now you can't find a Sears. Do you know how many Sears stores are still open? Fifteen. Fifteen. I miss Sears. Maybe it's just because it was, you know, such a... And important, I mean, whatever we wanted. If my father wanted tools, we went to Sears. If we wanted appliances, they were Kenmore. I can remember my mother shopping for clothes. I remember getting my first pair of glasses at Sears. Largest retailer in the world, and they're essentially gone. Essentially gone. Uh, I want to talk about them in a, in a couple of minutes. Let me get Dave on the line on unions. Dave, welcome. How are you? I'm well, Gary. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, Gary, I, I was just thinking, you know, the government wanting to be involved with this strike. Doesn't the government subsidize the railroads with billions of dollars a year? Well, they certainly do with Amtrak. You know, and, and, and I'm thinking that, you know, as long as they've got, you know, they're basically employing these people. The government is. So yeah, that's, uh, only, you know, why... that's only Amtrak. It's not everybody. So that's, not, oh really? I, I thought I thought they were they were they were subsidizing the whole the whole industry. 
Well, there may be some subsidies that uh, the railroad industry gets that I'm not aware of, but I know that uh, the federal government pretty much owns Amtrak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, and I was thinking that they were more involved with the uh, the day-to-day with all the railroad industry than uh, than that. My bad. Well, they may be. I'm not ruling that out. I, I hadn't thought about uh, looking that up. But I will, uh, I'll try and find that out. All right, Gary. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Dave. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. So we don't have a Sears anywhere in Columbia. Was there ever a Sears in Columbia? Yes. There, uh-huh. Hadn't been one yep, in the, at the uh, Mall, Columbia Mall. Columbia Mall. Um, I haven't seen one since I've been here, so I, I don't know. But I used to, I mean, it was the, it was the place to go. What happened? Why did Sears disappear like that? I'm thinking uh, perhaps online stuff. Well, Sears I don't was know. in trouble long before that. I know they were, but I mean, there's so many different uh, large... Walmart? Yeah, I mean... Kmart? Uh, Montgomery uh, Wards? Uh, are they still in business? I don't think so, no. Montgomery Ward? No. Nope. Do you remember... Uh, How about Radio Shack? Gold, yeah, Radio Shack is gone, too, pretty much, I think. Uh, do, do you remember a retailer called Gold Circle? No. Or Zayers? Uh-uh. Uh, Zayers, I do. They're gone. That, that tumult in the marketplace is really impressive. How do you go from being the world's largest retailer? They were the Jeff Bezos of the 50s and 60s. People actually bought their homes from Sears. Yes. You, you buy an entire house and have it shipped out to you. You could buy firearms, appliances, tools, And furniture. some of those houses are still standing today. Yeah. Uh, they were pretty well built. They were. But now Sears is gone. And I'm wondering what killed Sears. You know, I remember the two main Sears in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, were on... Um, Main thoroughfare, east-west thoroughfare, Carnegie Avenue and Lorraine Avenue. And in particular, the Carnegie Avenue store was in a pretty bad uh, pretty bad neighborhood. I can see where that went out. But the malls, the suburban Sears, what happened to them? And I miss their tools. I know I can get them, uh, I, I think I get them at Lowe's or Home Depot, one or the other. But I, I really do. I, I miss Sears and, and Roebuck. I used to call them Sears and Rubbish. Um, but boy, they had great products. They had great prices. They were huge. And suddenly, they're gone. Kind of miss them. I think they got some outlet stores. That, I think they were around in the 1800s, weren't they, Brian? They were doing catalog sales. I would have no idea. <laughs> I would thought if anybody would know, no, no, it would I, be you. I wouldn't know. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I thought surely you would know. All right, listen, uh, we've got to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to get you up to date with what's going on around town and around the world. Then we will, uh, we will chat with you. Um, there is um, a, apparently um, a, a little problem um, some people have with turning on the heat. In fact, well, frankly, um, we used to do it. It was a contest. I'll explain that next on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. 
This is the Gary Nolan Show. It is uh, 35 minutes after 10 o'clock. Glad to have you with us this morning on Sears. Jared says, I know in Jeff City at least, Sears started downhill when Lowe's came to town. Sears was about the only place to buy TVs, appliances, tools in, uh, in Jefferson City. Then Lowe's took over the appliance market. Best Buy was their last nail with the TV sales. You know, the Sears, you could be, not only could you buy a house, you could buy carpeting. You could buy floor tile, tools, appliances, furniture, clothing. Man. It just it I don't know it's just kind of surprising uh, how quickly that sort of thing uh, turns around. Have you ever done this, Brian? Uh, had a competition with uh, family or friends about when to turn the heat on? Uh, yeah, all the time <laughs> with my current members of my family because <laughs> I set it at a certain temperature and I come back downstairs and it's changed. It's like, wait, who did this? <laughs> yeah, we're constantly competing for the thermostat when my sister and i in two different houses you understand this is a little bit different than that um i would have a contest with her as, as fall began to uh, get colder and colder who would turn the heat on later and later uh who was the last or who's the first one to turn the furnace on i would always win that because <laughs> she was always cold but we would wait uh, There's a story in the Wall Street Journal that reminded me of this. Brian uh, Chevalier was in bed at his Rhode Island home, worried his pipes might freeze and burst. He had two pairs of socks, two hats, underwear, pajamas, jeans, two shirts, two vests, two hoodies, and uh, fingerless gloves so he could use his iPhone. It was December 19th of last year. The outside temperature was expected to drop to 19 degrees. Finally, at 9 p.m., he caved. He turned on the heat. The date marked a new personal record for the chilling annual challenge, uh, one he hopes to beat this year. Um, yeah, we, we used to do that. On Sears, let me go back to the phones here, grab some calls. Mel, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. How are you? Doing fine, Gary. Uh, Sears. Yeah. The uh, downtown Missouri Credit Union building, that was Sears. Yeah. For years and years. And uh, when they moved out to the mall, then the became different things and finally he turned into Missouri Credit Union and Montgomery Wards has been gone for a long time but they had a place a couple places here in town but yeah Sears was a place we had Kenmore appliances tires yeah tool. <coughs> excuse me I've got a my dad bought a uh, when we built our first house bought a table saw from Sears and I've still got it 1957 model Sears table saw. No safety things on that puppy. <laughs> yeah. You lose a hand real quick there. <laughs> but, but still, I mean, in 1957, it was probably state-of-the-art, and it's still working today. Oh, yeah. The, the motor on it, you can switch it from 120 to 220. Wow. By just changing two wires. And, uh, yeah. But Man. yeah, Ted Williams, Ted Williams uh, shotguns, that was a big thing. Sears, you walk in and pick up ammo and a gun and go hunting the same afternoon. I remember uh, I remember their automotive. I mean, they always had uh, three or four or five bays. Uh, you'd go in there for an oil change and they'd tell you your ball joints were bad and <laughs> sell you up. Yeah. Well, that building where the credit union is at, the, the bays were downstairs and that's there's still some... There's office spaces down there now, 
But, uh, yeah, it had a three-bay garage down there. Wow. And if you if you bought appliances, the big metal buildings that are across the street from the credit union, that's where you went over and picked up your appliances at. That was their warehouse. Man, they were a powerhouse, weren't they? Everything you could possibly want. Yeah. All right. You buy toilet stools and... (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's enough of that. Mel, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Roger, welcome. How are you? Hey, doing great, Gary. Uh, The story I've always heard about Sears was that they came... became so top-heavy with a bureaucracy... And so many office workers, they could not afford to buy any help or to hire any help to work on the floor of the stores. They just had this immense number of people working in their home offices. Wow. I don't know. And, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much, I think, uh, what happened to them. They just became inefficient, basically. Uh, Did you know they used to own their own radio station in Chicago? I know that they built what is still today one of the largest, uh, tallest buildings in the country, uh, the Sears well, Tower. Yeah, they had a radio station called, and it's still there, WLS, with the call letters, and it stood for World's Largest Store. I, I didn't know WLS. Was, those are legendary call letters. I didn't know they were owned by Sears. They, Sears started it back in the 20s or 30s, whatever. Wow. Uh, you are a cornucopia of knowledge. Roger, thank you. My wife says I'm full of it. Well, I wasn't going to say that on the air. I just... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Take care, buddy. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Did you know WLS was owned by... I did, yes. I didn't know that. I had no idea. The world's largest store. That's interesting. You know, there are some weekends when I like to do the, uh, the old radio listening and listen to radio jingles like uh, Music Radio WLS Music Radio Weekend And it just brings back memories. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it was so enjoyable during those years to listen to really good radio and they knew how to produce. Um... Mark says, uh, what happened to Sears? In two words, Eddie Lampert. I worked for Sears for 30 years and saw its good days and its bad days. I have very strong opinions about what happened to Sears and why it happened. I firmly believe after Eddie bought Kmart and then had the shotgun wedding, which combined Sears and Kmart, he set about to systematically dismantle both companies to line his own pockets with their cash values. Years ago, when I was new at Sears, the financial statements made a point of saying how much real estate the company owned in California. It was billions. I I used to, by the way, I worked, when I was in high school, I worked at Sears. Um, I was a stock boy uh, at Christmas time. And, you know, it's quite, it was just amazing. Uh, Chris says the railroad retirement program is the only federally administered pension plan for private industry. Funds to finance the program consist of taxes paid by railroad workers and employers, transfers uh, uh, from Social Security trust funds, and general revenue appropriations from the federal government. Well, I don't know what that's... All right. I read that. It's a cold read, as we say in the business. 
and I have no idea why that was. Uh, 874-9390, the toll-free number is 800-529-5572. Um, boy, we have so much more ground to cover here. Uh, the, anyway, the Sears thing, uh, CNN Business had a piece. Is, is this the last Christmas for Sears? They've got 15 stores left, and it's pretty much over for them. Um, the The stores are empty. The shelves pretty much empty. It's it's going to go away. It's been a slow, quiet death for an iconic chain whose groundbreaking catalog and anchor position at many malls nationwide once made Sears both the Amazon and Walmart of its day. When they merged in 2005 with Kmart, they counted 3,500 U.S. stores between them. More than 300,000 employees. Both brands were already in a downward spiral. After the merger, the company concentrated on selling off its more attractive real estate and buying back stock in an effort to prop up its declining share price, rather than investing in modernizing stores to make them competitive. By 2018, the company had filed for bankruptcy. Eddie Lampert, the hedge fund operator who had engineered the disastrous Kmart merger and served as the holding company CEO, brought the remains of the business out of bankruptcy in early 2019, promised to turn things around after it had shed much of its debt, unprofitable stores, and less attractive leases. The point of all this, and then we'll wrap this up, is I don't care if you're talking about Facebook or Twitter. I don't care if you're talking about Jeff Bezos or uh, Apple or or any of these companies. Eventually, eventually, no matter what seemingly monopolistic power they have, competition will tear them down. Poor decisions, poor choices. They all come and go. Kresge's, Woolworth, Sears, It's the churn in the marketplace. And this is just a perfect example. Um, Because when Sears went away, better things took over. Just, it's the beauty of the free market. All right, up against the clock, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, Brian has some audio he wants me to, uh, he wants me to decode. You're good at that, I hear. I am. I am a master at that, Brian. I will listen to this audio. I will tell you exactly what's being said and what it means. Perfect, because Because I've listened three times and I can't. I just... Well, that's because you don't have the skill set that I I do. I know. I know. I'll fix that for you next. On the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. Show Me Institute has a a piece, uh, Columbia is still making simple things complicated. We'll talk about that in the next hour. (laughs) That's a topic that never goes away. Uh, Also, I had a conversation yesterday with uh, Dr. Robert Malone. He's written a book called Lies My Government Told Me. Uh, If you don't know uh, who Dr. Malone is, uh, he has uh, patents on mRNA um, vaccines. He, He literally created... And has patents on it, and he is not a fan. Um, his uh, bona fides are unquestionable. He uh, he invented the original mRNA vaccine technology. He's got nine patents for that uh, and, uh, and related technologies. He worked closely with the government agencies to address infectious 
uh, uh, disease threats. And he's saying that this um, mRNA turns to DNA. And I'd asked him a question about that spike protein that I think is killing people. And I was not happy with the answer. I will uh, share that with you all uh, in the next hour or so. In the meantime, on uh, Sears, uh, head down to Springfield. Andy, welcome. How are you? Good to hear your voice again. I hope you had a good break. I did. Thank you. Very good. Uh, my dad worked for Sears for 23 years out of college in 69 in Philadelphia. And 15 years after that, we got transferred to uh, Chicago, worked at Sears Tower for another eight years. And then uh, he was like, I don't know, like a month or so from his retirement date, and they were going to can him and lose all his retirement um, just just before he got his retirement. And then he found out if he worked for any entity of Sears one day past the original date, uh, he'd get it all back. So after they canned him, he went and worked for Sears Hardware for a month and got it all back. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. So decisions like that, I think, are kind of like also help to put them in the can, too, because they, they weren't really good about that. And I have a friend that worked here in Springfield at the store here just before they closed. He worked in the har- or the long and hardware department, and guys would come in and return mowers that were brand new that were abused, and they would just give a new one. And so they'd lose head, you know, overhead that way. So just a lot of dumb decisions. You know, that, <laughs> so. that their tool warranty was unlike anything you'd ever seen before. Uh, oh, yeah. The maintenance had, agreement. Yeah, and, and they would honor it. They would they would take back tools and <laughs> exchange them. All right. My and, dad still uses it. <laughs> so. All right. Andy, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, John on Sears, welcome. How are you? Yeah, did you say John? Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, my wife heard you on the radio talking about the stuff you could buy from Sears and this would have been back in the mid-1960s. I caught a swarm of bees, and from Sears, I ordered a purebred Italian queen bee to replace the queen that was in the swarm. And uh, it came in a little box, about <laughs> one by three. And, of course, back then, you could buy chickens and farm equipment and all kinds of stuff from Sears. But uh, I actually ordered a purebred Italian queen bee for a beehive. Unbelievable. I had no idea. You could buy farm animals? Oh, yeah. You could buy chickens, and they, they sold all kinds of farm equipment. I had no idea. And I knew they sold a lot. I had no idea they, they sold farm equipment. <laughs> yeah, that queen bee, you uh, had a little screen on the top. She came in that little box, and you'd take the old queen out and put the new purebred uh, queen in. And uh, leave it in there in that box for three days so they didn't kill her, got used to her. And then you'd release her into the hive and all the all the new bees would be purebred Italian bees, which were a dociler bee than the German bee. Son of a bee. I had no idea. All right. Yeah. <laughs> John, thank you. Uh, thank all you. Right. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. <clears throat> all right. Um, the mRNA vaccine. Based on the information that I was getting, uh, I thought it was the right choice to make. But I'm a little concerned about mRNA and that spike protein and whether or not 
uh, it's causing long-term problems because uh, there are some indication that people who have been vaccinated have these uh, blood clots, fibrous clots, and it's causing a sudden death. And Dr. Malone says, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. And I said, well, uh, you know, how long does that spike protein stay in the, in the system? As I was vaxxed and then I was uh, double vaxxed. And he said, well, we've only tested out a few months. We don't know. So they don't apparently know how long that spike protein stays with you. Um, I'm starting to regret getting that vaccine. But he said that uh, that uh, mRNA can quickly turn into DNA in cancer cells. Uh, in fact, I've got some audio here. I don't think I'm going to have time to play it right now. I don't, but I'll play it right after the uh, the news uh, in the next segment. But there is a piece I read yesterday about died suddenly. And I've been reading these. I, I keep seeing these things on my feed everywhere. Some so-and-so died suddenly. Athlete died suddenly. Somebody's uh, parent or, or sibling or child died suddenly. And uh, Brian sends me this piece. Uh, so as much as I like to focus on more pleasant stuff, I have... Uh, to make a grim post today. You must have heard the claim that there's a strange surge in people dying unexpectedly from unclear causes. Today I decided to look at something, uh, at some of the data available to check whether they're, you know, we're just paying more attention to it or whether something is really changing. S sadly, uh, the author writes, I had to conclude it looks to me like we're genuinely faced with something unprecedented. My sympathy is with all of the people who have been affected by this. You have to keep in mind that a big surge in people dying suddenly from unclear medical causes wouldn't necessarily manifest itself as a big jump in excess mortality. If sudden death from unclear medical causes uh, used to be 10% of all deaths in the past, and suddenly doubled in 2022, you'd see a 10% excess mortality in the absence of any other changes. So he looked at obituaries in Canada that mentioned people who, quote-unquote, died suddenly in 2020, 2021, and 2022. Um, and, and then he went beyond that. He went beyond Canada. Um, he looked at Great Britain. He looked at Ireland. I'll tell you what he found next on The Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show 